0: So fun things happen when families get together. You get to share fun stories, you get to laugh at each other, and, and we're looking at a passage of scripture that really the Apostle Paul is, is drilling down and, and um, expanding his understanding of family. And it, and it goes like this, and we're in chapter 3. We're going to read uh, verses 1 all the way through 10. I'm going to read from the ESV And this is, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one would be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know for this reason when i could bear it no longer i sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain but now that timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as long as we long to see you for this reason brothers in all our distress and affliction we have been comforted about you through your faith for now we live as if we are standing fast in the lord for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for the sake for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith let's pray together So Lord it is an opportunity for us to open your word. And we acknowledge today that it is your word that's living and active, that we long to hear, that we long to be fed, that we long to be changed from the inside out. So we invite you, God, the Holy Spirit, to plant the word of God in our hearts and our lives. To the glory of your name, amen. Let me show you, uh, just take you back. What we're talking about is learning to live as God's children, and and I'm gonna take you back to 2, 19 to 20, before I didn't read this one. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown with which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. And then he goes on. For this reason, brothers, in our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live as if we are standing fast in the Lord. For what is our thanksgiving? For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. There is, a, there is something that has taken place in the heart of the Apostle Paul when he goes out to preach the gospel, when he goes out to plant churches, is that he, he, he sees this as a growing and expanding family. That when you and I picture our families we picture, we picture the people in our, maybe our nuclear family, maybe you picture your brothers and your six sisters, your, your grandparents. But, but for the Apostle Paul, as he would go and preach the gospel and people would come to faith, he would call them brothers and sisters. Now, we, we live in a culture where, where people do that still, don't they? In fact, I'm going to, the, in the end of August, to, to um, Mexico to, to visit one of our missionaries and to do some ministry with them. Uh, they minister on the Texas-Mexico border, and they actually minister all over the place. And where's Chris? And when I talk to them, they always talk about Sister Chris. And uh, Chris used to be in the reserves, and she goes, they, they call her soldier here. Soldier Chris, you know, and I'm assuming it's the people in Mexico that you minister to that And but they always call her sister Chris and it was funny We had an appointment because we're gonna be team teaching a message next week at our family service And I was talking to him on the phone and just happened that the timing arrived and it's sister Chris and they use these titles When people come to faith in Jesus, they use the term brother and sister we don't use that so much in our culture in this church but it's true it's true when we become followers of Jesus we come into the very family of God and we become brothers and sisters so the young people that gathered this week or the people on the platform leading worship are our brothers and sisters in God there there is a, a tendency in in our very individualist culture to separate a sort of we they or me you do you feel that so when you guys come to church you co- well I came to church this morning right and if you some people some people literally they want to go to church and they want to sneak out without talking to one person right amen yeah some of you, in fact i don't know if you know this but when i visit other churches that's sort of my game like i want to see if this church is going to be friendly enough to greet me and so i go in and I don't talk to anybody on purpose just to see if it's the kind of church where someone will say, good morning, welcome to the church, how are you, are you new, whatever it is. And, and many times, sad to say, I can get in and out of churches without talking to one person. Think about this. You have a family gathering, you invite them over. And this uncle you haven't seen for quite a while shows up and he comes and he goes and gets the food and he sits down at a table and nobody talks to him. People look at him. They might even talk about him. But nobody talks to him. They even let him leave without even a greeting. Now that seems a little scandalous, doesn't it? It seems like inside you go, that's just wrong, isn't it? Well, wait a second, church. If we're the family of God, and God truly calls us brothers and sisters, and we let somebody come into our gathering, and they're ignored, not spoken to. I was reminded this week when I first came to pastor this church, it had a really interesting culture. They had a number of home groups, and everybody in those home groups really felt like the church was very uh, warm and caring, and, and, but the people outside of those home groups didn't feel that. And so I I did a little congregational survey, and it was fascinating that the people in the home groups felt cared for and loved, but the people not in the home groups didn't. Well, that's an argument to get in a home group, for one. I mean, you should get in a home group. We're going to be kicking off and starting some new life groups in the fall. And really, if you're not involved in one of those, you'll need, I really encourage you to jump in on, because it's an opportunity for people to pray for you, care for you, get to know each other, grow together. But... But what I discovered, and when I went around to visit the home groups, I was reminded this week when I was having a conversation with a person, what I did is I told them the results of the survey. And I said, you guys in these small groups feel like the church is really caring and warm because that is your experience, but there's the people that aren't in the groups. And you know what? you know what this church did? Those groups took it seriously, and those people got greeted, got welcomed, got invited to a group. And, and when new people would come to this church, they would say, we didn't have to have some kind of special greeting team. They would say, I can't, you know, five people or four people said hi to me, greeted me, talked to me. The, the culture just shifted because people's hearts were right. They just didn't know that people were coming and going in their midst. You see, part of being a follower of Jesus, and this is the hardest part, is realizing God places us in the family of God. And and people will say, you know, hey, it's great having a relationship with God, but a relationship with the church is a whole other story, right? But here's the good news. Because of the problems in the church, guess what we have? Can anybody say we have the writings of the Apostle Paul. So if you and I became believers and all of a sudden the magic wand came over us and we were perfect, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. But God places us in families. Families have struggles. They have problems, which caused the Apostle Paul to write the epistles so that we have continued instruction on how to relate to God and how to relate to his family. And to me, that's exciting. I always believe that the, when we, were, we, we become followers of Jesus, it's that journey away from me to we, from me to we. And I want to remind you that when you read the epistles, the Apostle Paul felt so strongly about it, he was willing to lay down his life for his brothers and sisters, for his church. The other thing that you'll see in this is that they would give their very best. He says, we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. And one of the things you see in the early church is you sort of see this DNA forming, this DNA where it's like, okay, God's idea was the church of Jesus. So many people I know have turned away from the church. Did you know that? They say 20% of Americans during the pandemic have turned away from their faith and most churches I know will say our attendance dropped by 40% when we came back and some say more after the pandemic And, and what I try to remind people is the church is not my invention the church is not the apostle Paul's invention the church was God's invention It was Jesus who said, I will build my church. The problem with the church is he uses humans. Did you know that? And when you read the Bible, the reason it has problems and failures, do you know why? Humans. So could you raise your hand if you're a human? Okay. Uh, Come on, everybody should raise your hand real high, real high. Now, leave it up if you're a perfect human. That's the problem. The problem with the church is it's made up of humans that are imperfect. But the cool thing about the Apostle Paul is he knew that there is something about, there's something about God where it's like, I'm going to, I want to give my very best. And Timothy was like a son to the Apostle Paul. And he sent Timothy, his very best, and it caused him pain. It it was like, I don't want to lose this guy. I love his fellowship. I love what he brings as we are out preaching the gospel. But I'm going to send him because I care about you. There's something about the DNA of followers of Jesus that want to give their very best. There's this this story of, of David and... David had, um, he was a king at the time, and he went out and he, he counted the people, and God did not want him to count the people. And so he, God basically called him to repentance. And he says this um, I'll read it from here. He says, Your majesty Aruna gives all this to the king. And Aruna also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aruna, No. I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You see, when, when David was confronted with this idea that, no, no, here, look, you need a sacrifice. I will give you the sacrifice. David's like, no, no, no. It's got to cost me something. When I look at the DNA of the family of God, I realize that there is a transition that takes place in the hearts of believers where, first of all, you recognize that you're family. And if you don't believe that, look around and just remind yourself these are my brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. And then realize that part of that DNA is sacrifice, that there is something that God will say I, that being a part of the family of God takes sacrifice laying down, giving our best. And David said, hey, I'm not going to give the Lord that which costs me nothing. And the Apostle Paul says, you know what? The best person for this job is my dearest son, Timothy, and I'm going to give him away to you for your encouragement. And over and over and over, I, I, I see this in the life of Of God's people I mean years ago I was sitting where my wife and I were talking this past week and I was I was thinking about all the missionaries Who would move this is before airplanes who would take these ships and they would go over like to Africa And they used to say Africa was the graveyard of missionaries and they would get sick and they would die William Carey the father of the modern mission movement his wife went crazy with mental illness Yet they called him the father of the modern mission movement because he began a movement of missionaries to see the gospel go forward. Many missionaries would go and it would cost them their kids' lives, it would cost them their lives, they would get sick with disease, and, they, and more, God would cause, cause more people to go. The Moravians were famous for, it was, I think it was a hundred year prayer movement where they would pray 24 hours a day and they would send missionaries and they, I think it was the West Indies, they, they actually wanted to go to evangelize the, the African slaves so they, the group of them sold themselves into slavery so they could reach them for Jesus. Can you imagine the mom and dad who would look at their kids and go, what are you thinking? Well, we're going to sell ourselves into slavery so we can reach people for the gospel. And you're like, what? You need to go to university. You need to get a good job. You need to settle down and have a family. Stop thinking stupid thoughts. No, no, God's called us. We're gonna give our best. One of the things that excited me about the young people gathered here is there needs to be a fresh call of God on the lives of young people one pastor said to me he said every generation we've seen pastors come in and they've stepped up and they and we've seen God call new people he goes we're seeing a gap we're seeing a gap and I'm saying Lord Jesus call a fresh generation of young people to follow you to say, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do. And sometimes that looks like our best. And years ago, I was invited to do a Bible study, and there was mostly medical students there. And this one a guy who was, a, who was in residency, and he was talking about um, what his plan is for the future. And he said to me, he said, he said you know, I... I I have a greater earning potential than you he says so I, I plan to I plan to only work as a, a doctor this much time so I can give the rest of my time whether it was to medical missions or to helping other people or serving or make disciples but this whole thing about being a doctor was you know what i'm going I, I could work like 15 or 20 hours and make as much as you're gonna make i mean he looked at me and said that to me you know i i was getting an undergraduate degree in theology and we used to say that and a buck will get you a cup of coffee and now you have to say what two dollars or three dollars right because it it's marketability but but he knew his marketability and he's like no i'm, I'm gonna i, I want to i have a passion to do the will of god and what i'm choosing to do is just a springboard So we're not going to give the Lord that which costs us nothing. And the last thing I want you to grab out of this is is this. The, the, The Apostle Paul says this. He talks about, he says, there's a fight for our faith in the face of temptation. And you see it this way. He says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might have been in vain." So, when I say the word temptation, what does that, that pull up in your head? Usually we think of some kind of sin, don't we? Oh, we, you know, don't tempt me to do this. If you have talked to someone that's battling an addiction, they'll immediately picture their addiction and whatever that is, and be tempted in, in that way. The Apostle Paul was talking about the tempter winning, but he wasn't just talking about giving in to a besetting sin. You see, this was a baby church. This was the first generation of believers. And he went there and he preached the gospel and they responded to his message. But he got chased out and he's praying and wanting to see the faith continue. And, and, and the best way to picture it is when you, you have a little baby, and that baby needs everything. I always say, what do babies do? They eat, they sleep, and they excrete, right? I mean, that's it, and they need lots of help. They need 24-hour care. And the Apostle Paul was, was only ever able to be in Thessalonica a, a short time. And so as he pulled out, he, he left a baby. And when he was talking about the tempter, he was not talking about somebody giving in to eating too many brownies at the Sunday potluck. He was talking about Satan taking away their faith and them walking away from Jesus. That the baby faith in that little church would die. And he had this passion to see the family of God grow. And I want you to know that the first generation is huge. The first generation of people coming to faith in Jesus was huge. But I, I think we're like 55 and a half generations. I mean, if generations 40 years, you can do the math. Every generation is huge. You know, years ago, God called our family to move to Europe because we saw that Europe had become post-Christian. That many, many people had turned away from the faith. I read an article recently about a, a, a woman in Holland who, after years of being raised in a conservative Christian home, had turned away and started an agnostic and atheist club. And she has a, she, you would describe it as a ministry to help people Embrace agnosticism and atheism. It was less than 3% attended church. I think it's even lower now. Every generation, every generation functions like a baby, doesn't it? I told you we had a family gathering. We had five kids, four daughters and a son. We now have 13 grandkids, Lord willing, 14 soon. Those babies need to be cared for. And we are the ones that nurture, that give birth, that function like the family of God, and post-pandemic you are needed even more today than you were five years ago. If you are here and your faith is intact and you are following Jesus, then God is calling you and I to have babies and to care for babies. Do you get that? Do you get that? Because the church of Jesus Christ is always one generation away from extinction. And one of the things I love about our church is there's, there's at least 30% of our flock that's not sitting here, right? On Sunday morning. Did you know that? They're getting ministry Because they're kids. And sometimes if you count up, you know, the the adult leaders and the kids, it's like fifty people. Did you know that? On Sunday morning, that aren't here. But they, we're sowing into their lives God's word. We're sowing into their lives uh, prayer and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're valuing young people to say, hey, guys, don't you realize? And that's why I, Gloria, I loved your testimony. I loved you guys sharing. Because it's like, wait a second, my faith became real. I remember my son saying to me one time, Dad, if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for that encounter where I just got totally wrecked by God, I wouldn't still be a believer today. Because at that moment I discovered God was real. And friends, when we study the Book of Thessalonians, we, we just we need to realize, number one, we're deeply needed. But the faith that thrives is the faith that acts like Jesus and lives like Jesus. The faith that makes disciples, the faith that nurtures others, the faith that helps others along. And friends, it's needed now more than ever. Because to me, America is moving more like Europe. 20% during the pandemic no longer professes faith. And that means we have a great opportunity to point people to the Savior. They're not our enemies. They're just future sons and daughters. They just don't know it yet. Amen? Let's stand up and pray together. This message really is an invitation for you and I to step into the calling that God has for us. We want to thrive in our faith and we just need to act like Jesus. We just need to be pointing people to the Savior. We need to be reaching out. We need to be recognizing that we're a part of a family. We need to realize that Christian faith has sacrifice in it because Christ sacrificed, we sacrifice. And we need to realize, just like Jesus did early in his ministry, that we have a tempter. And it's not to eat too many brownies or too much cake, but it's to give up the very faith that he has called us to. And so I I pray today that as you are, wherever you are, maybe you're struggling with your faith, that you could receive a fresh calling of God to say yes. To say yes. So let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for calling us here this Sunday. There there is this deep sense that you're calling us to be a part of the family of God, and that's a, that's a, a picture that's hard for us to really get our minds around. That spiritually, we are brothers and sisters in the faith. That we actually have a new family. And we know if in order for families to work, it takes sacrifice, it takes laying down our lives, it takes giving our best. And I, I pray for the person who is wrestling with the sacrifice that God's calling them to. There's something the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to lay that down. I want you to give that. I want you to choose the harder path. I want you to choose something in spite of what's going on in your head, in spite of what's competing with it. I want you to go down that narrow road. That's where I want you to go. And you know if that's you, you you have this sense that what God's calling you to, and, and he's just asking for a yes right now. It'll be a yes tomorrow morning and a yes the next morning, but he's asking today that you would, you would make a full yes right now and say, okay, I'll go down that path. I will sacrifice whatever it is. And some of you have felt the tempter, the, the one who wants to, jettison, to get you to jettison your faith, to turn away from your faith. Maybe you've been disillusioned or disappointed by church or by church leaders. And Just like the church leader, the Apostle Paul, who they would, he was concerned they'd be disillusioned by his suffering and that if the leader had to suffer, that maybe the faith wasn't real. Lord, we we ask that you would use us in your kingdom, imperfect humans, carrying the greatest treasure, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in earthen vessels, in a time and a season that needs more and more people to be pointed to the rock, to the fountain of life, to the place of rest for their souls, to the place of eternal joy, to the place where forgiveness flows regardless of what you've to a relationship with the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God, would you grace us as Christ the King Vineyard Church to know you and to make you known for such a time as this. We'll have prayer ministry, and I'll uh, give a blessing. If you're on our prayer team, come on up. And I just think there's this some people that want some prayer today. They want to be touched by God. There's something that God is going to do in their life. Maybe something in this message is, has pricked your heart, and you need to come forward. Maybe you're struggling with some kind of uh, physical ailment, and you want to ask for healing. Maybe you know somebody that's been right on the edge of giving up their faith. And you want to come forward and stand for them and pray for them. Could I have some of our prayer team come? Anybody else? Come on up. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his very favor on you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys coming up for prayer ministry. Have a great Sunday.